maybe we could pick up by responding to what's been sent in, just to hold the space up a bit. Thank you. Um, so, I'll start and then you, Joel, you might have something to offer. So, the person's talking about a paradox that experience and practice. On the one hand, my personal self is an experience of being more or something, more peaceful or loving or patient. This brings a sense of progress and development. I was there and now I'm over here. On my other hand, transpersonal experiences grow that sense of progression to smithereens. From this place, it feels less like developing anything and more like tuning to what is already always here and so generously and freely given. It's just, is this just a way of it? Or do we give our personal selves the developmental jobs to do, not to attain anything as such, so we can trip and fall into the depths of being as knows there is nothing at all to be done? So, uh, quite a deep question, really, isn't it? And I'm sure. Many of you have come up against what I see as one of the fundamentals of, of practice, the, the paradox we dwell in where there's a path to be cultivated, yeah? And then the Dharma is ahipasako opnaika, here and now, yeah? And to me, there's always to, to actually hold those two things together is really important that we really see that there is cause and effect and that skillful living brings these states this question is describing and so uh, as we as we cultivate the more afflictive experiences fall away we have more capacity yeah? and there's just a deeper sense of well-being and attunement with life so this is a, a kind of fruiting of practice. But actually, you know, we're still bound within the, the conventions of me here, something out there, the kind of duality. Yeah? And then but this also sets the capacity that in moments or maybe for extended times, we can do as, as being encouraged come directly into the here and now. Okay. And that can have really profound um, depth to it, can't it? We can come to really expansive, it's been described, transpersonal experiences. Experiences of the unconditioned, okay. of Nibbana. Yeah. So to hold these, to know there's cultivation that helps, okay as we all know, so here we are kind of in time and space, but on a more profound level, when we actually come fully into present, there is only here, it is only now, and a much more um, expansive, non-dual experience of design. So my experience, you know, accords with what's being described, the way we're conditioning, 
And that's why we cultivate. Why we really work to understand, particularly this nexus of contact, perception, feeling, and then the movement, the grasp will push away, get the freedom, go to actually just be here. Where pleasant feeling doesn't invade and overtake our mind, and not so affected by painful feeling, we can't bear it and disappear. So, actually, we get more and more here, don't we? More and more capable. We see more and more deeply into the cause and effect, how skillful cultivation brings skillful results and growing capacity. And this is really encouraging and starts to prove this deeper freedom. Would be my initial response to that. In this first film, I have things to add. I mean, it's a good comprehensive kind of engagement with that question. I, I suppose I'd just, in in a briefer way, say that um, it's so tempting to see self as a project <laughs> to to improve and develop and and so on. And of course, when when insight occurs, what's actually happening is a loosening of the illusion and illusion of self. And so. Uh, it's not about, it's like they talk about polishing the brick, right? The brick, it's still a brick. <laughs> so there's nothing to improve on. It's simply removing the, the clouds, if you like, or seeing through them. So just coming back to that simplicity as well, that, um, yeah, there might be feelings of um, elation or increase in a way with certain insights, but as we integrate them, there's often just a recognition of fading away, you know, rather than being better at this or better than that, oh, there's a bit less reactivity. There's a bit less belief in rites and rituals as a pathway to freedom or development. So, so it's, it is, you name it well, it's a paradox. Um, but, but I find keeping it simple can be hell. There's nothing to improve, nowhere to get to. And yet there's this path and we cultivate paradox. So through this day of practicing with Vedana, um, with feeling, it'd be good to hear some of how you worked, what worked for you. didn't work is also interesting, by the way, <laughs> helpful. Yes, I just want to ask if um, my my voice is all right, because I've used it in the new ethan box and it sometimes echoes. It's okay. Um, yeah, I, I, for me, what worked was the continuity. Um, the sitting and then walking, because Working with Vedanas for me can can become quite intense, and so having that walking in between, 
I was just sort of going to pick up on that. I was curious about what is it about Vedana particularly that makes it intense, if there's anything more you wanted to flesh out there. Um, I suppose that's just my personal experience of Vedanas. Um, they are, it's, I think I am um, just have that sort of <clears throat> physical makeup that Vedanas become very um, intense in, in both ways, really. Um, and of course, my mind, you know, um, it just loves to evaluate. <laughs> so, um, and once, so, so it's quite hard work, you know. I'm, I'm trying. And as the day progressed, I could feel my mind quietening down, which made it a lot easier to um, work with the badness and they became more gentle and softer. It's um, that continuity of first quietening the mind, I think. It's, yeah. yeah. Does that answer your question? Joe? Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's helpful. Thank you. I was, I was just wondering, I don't know if this could be helpful, but if there's a lot of intensity, if there's enough capacity to consciously tune into neutral or neither pleasant or unpleasant, because we tend to default to the, to the more intense ones and sometimes just, you know, I know it's a little bit directing the mind, but just noticing, like we did earlier, when I was inviting you to tune in particularly to pleasant, what it might be like to tune in particularly to neutral, because sometimes doing that really conditions the mind towards more equanimity and less intensity. But it's just something to play with, possibly. Yeah, I think that's a good 
Well, it certainly was one of the realizations towards, I think in the last walk, I suddenly realized that it didn't really matter about them being pleasant or unpleasant. I just had this insight that it's actually they're all the same. And that was, but it took me all day to get there. <laughs> That actually goes to your other important point, Wendy, I think uh, you mentioned the word continuity a couple of times when you said it's taken the day to get there. Well, well done you, because that continuity is a key to the practice, isn't that continuity and it's not just in a position, a still fixed position of sitting meditation, but it's in everyday life and everyday interactions and walking meditation in particular can support that great so, um, continuity is what brings results, as you found. thing I have not been very concentrated today and not very well but the thing that I really um, found helpful was looking at pleasant things not that I don't always see some pleasant sensations but just to really go through my body and realize that oh yeah my hands were it was a pleasant sensation in my hand and I think that I often ignore that I go to neutral or unpleasant and um, and also the whole range of sensations are often because I have got a lot of pain and joints and things focused on that and instead focusing on sensation of breath breathing smells other other sensations as well that was quite yeah but it was useful to to practice with the positive sensations and and just be aware of them in a much longer way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a very question. It's a good strategy, Laura, isn't it, really? And I know you said you're not feeling well, but I can sort of hear in the tone of your voice the hard won victory of it. <laughs> and since, oh, I'm still here. <laughs> referring to Jill's comment earlier about the negativity bias of the mind, you know. Mm. Wow, what an that is, right? So <laughs> so that says that if, if that can be a default, then how wonderful that there really can be a choice and a shift of emphasis. But you know, it's not it doesn't come easy, does it? It takes work, it takes a strengthening of mindfulness to even begin to really deeply make make those choices. But um goes back to, I can't recall where in the sentence, but there's a reference to seeing the lovely in the unlovely. And also um, something I have to do is see the unlovely in the lovely, <laughs> um, depending on which way your mind tends, tends to move, uh, because it's true. We're in a mixed realm, aren't we? And um, 
outside of quite heightened states of awakeness, there's not much that's uh, either just one thing or another, just just pleasant or lovely or just unpleasant and unlovely. And so we can, you know, expand our habit-driven mind to, to, to see all of whatever it is. Um, and in your case, oh, let's focus on some pleasant element of this experience that I'm overwhelmingly experiencing as negative at the moment. The difference that it makes, it sets a new trajectory, doesn't it? Momentum toward deepening the practice. Yeah, it's helpful for concentration as well, I think. Yeah. And and what you're pointing to there, picking up on Liza too, the the sense that if you know, we're focused in on physical sensation, yeah. well, within that, you know, we have, there's an unpleasant feeling, and we can attend and investigate that. But we can, as you're saying, we can change what sense store we're experiencing through. So that if we're being overwhelmed in terms of bodily experience or in terms of hearing or even just changing sense door can radically change the felt experience, can't it? Hey, I don't have to be stuck in this. I can start um, loosening it up, but like doing some gymnastics. So the heart has become cranked one way or another. It's really the Buddha's encouragement to get the mind malleable, flexible, wheels in. It's really lovely to hear. Steve had a question. Well, I guess it's more sharing of experience, and and thank you for the wonderful sandbox of play that Vedna, through this practice today, allowed for. So, and I appreciate it because, I mean, sometimes we are on a roller coaster where a succession of things happens that you don't have the spaciousness to be able to so clearly as we did today, really moment by moment move to different sensory experiences and being able to um, to just give it that moment of attention and awareness. Um, and, and what it gave me today was an ease. Like I, there was definitely a, 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 I came into this morning with everything I was carrying for a very silly night last night of, of just burning things and doing things. And, and it was just so interesting how collectively they all backed up on each other. And that, that squeeze in the body, I woke up with still this morning. And yet the practice, you know, in its gentle way, just kept more and more allowing the spaciousness and ease that I could sit with. And it was such a great practice. I loved how, and I can't remember if it was Elizabeth or Will, I talked about the wood chipper that was starting to happen right at that moment we had a chainsaw starting to cut trees back. But by that point, it actually was an ability to just be with those sensations and not give it an essence, not get trapped into its own roller coaster, which, as you were saying, talked to the council. And, and I thought, no, I don't have to give it any story. But then on a very windy day here in the Blue Mountains, they lit a fire right close to our house and to burn all this stuff. And it's interesting how, as much as I wanted to bring the same ease to sound, the smell and the intensity of it, that actually grabbed in a way 
that was the first thing I would say since early this morning that I could not release easily and realize that's something else. And I guess the question is that we have these different states of how we respond to sensation. And some of them just cling very strong to us and others with the playing of eight now we're able to shift and change. So I guess the question is, um, sits around looking at that experience and recognizing that, I'm not sure I'm even forming a question. I think it's just recognizing the, the roller coaster of what this was today. And it was beautiful. It's really lovely to hear it. Steve, I, I do feel, I hear that you're sharing a comment about practice, but just you, you did ask a question a little bit there around the difference between the sense door of hearing and smell for you today. And as someone who's, I'm Australian, and I can really empathise with what the smell of smoke can do to the nervous system. Mm -hmm. um, perhaps some of you in California and the Pacific Northwest and, and elsewhere also know that experience of um, the mercilessness of fire and the very idea of someone lighting a fire on a windy day near a property and what that can bring up, which is quite different from the sound of a chainsaw if you haven't had any chainsaw incidents. So, um, you know, we know the sense of smell is actually deeply evocative of memory. Um, I believe it's one of the last senses to go um, when we're dying, when the body's dying. So we're we impacted differently. And we know too, the sense of seeing is so very different from the sense of touch and the other senses, the, the mind sense of thinking. So they each oppose their own challenges in terms of working mindfully. Um, so yeah, I'm, I didn't hear you doing this, but just just to say it's not about criticizing oneself. Darn it, I, I worked well with the chainsaw, but Missed out on the smoke, you know. What I mean? It's like the, the different intensities coming at us based on, con on conditionality. You know, it isn't just a matter of will, just gritting our teeth and willing ourselves to stay mindful. We're, we're organic beings with, you know, complex histories and nervous systems. And so, um, in those instances, really the best thing we've got is our mindfulness and compassion. So working with heart quality, it's keeping mindful that if the smoke takes you off into worry or something else, then you, at some point you come back, don't you? And you see that, you recognise it, you come back. Well, you can even say, well, you've got mindfulness established that recognises worry has arisen. Hmm. We're now in a different um, foundation of mindfulness, but mindfulness is still present. We can know this is a cramped mind, this is a mind affected by worry. And still, this is waking up. be a good time to draw this to a close. You are going to offer some closing metta. Yeah, so if we, like, notice however you're sitting, wherever you are, just letting the tension gather again, 
and would need Thank you, Willa. Thank you, Elizabeth. And huge thanks to all of you for staying all the way through to the end. Again, it's an inspiration that you, your patience and perseverance and determination. And I hope the fruits of your dedicated practice keep growing and strengthening. And we have another opportunity on the 12th of August, which is a Saturday. We'll have the third in this series. Saturday for people in Australia and New Zealand, be Friday for people in the UK and the US. 
I know many of you have already signed up for that, but uh, it'd be lovely to have you join us for the continuation of this journey. Okay, I think that's it. Anything else to be said? Just a quick thanks to you, Julia, for holding this, running it, and inviting us into it. And thank you to all of you who did participate. Until next time, thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.